How are you? I am good for the most part. So like I did not prepare like anything for tonight. Oh no, no. We're just gonna wing it. Okay, perfect. Because <laughs> you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was kind of like this, like my father's death, because it's obviously a big thing that happened, but I'm very much at peace because of a lot of things that happened and how things lined up for him and how like he was a great man even after he died, you know? Like his, he paid for his funeral services. So there was like no financial strain on the family. Like huge, right? Like not leaving your kids with that, right? Not that we didn't pay for it, but you don't get a chance to grieve. Yeah. When that happens. Cause it's like you gotta figure it out. I think I haven't began my grieving process as weird as that sounds. Like cause it's go, 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 and, like, get this done. And even then, right, like, we felt that there was a lot going on. And my father's funeral kind of, like, stretched over three weeks. Because, like, he died on the 24th. We didn't have his funeral until, like, the 11th, last, last Friday. So there was plenty of time to plan everything and get everything done right. But at the same time, like, I dove, like, really deep into work, which is kind of, like, my, defend my defense and my coping mechanism. But I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I was still around with family. I was supportive of my family. It's just that work is kind of like my... Yeah. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> no, and you know what? I think that we need to kind of st step away from being so judgmental or, like, labeling what is and shouldn't be because I think the more you know the older I get and the more that I see people that are passing or get to witness their loved ones you know sort of grieve everybody does it differently and I mean I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to do it you know you just kind of like allow the feelings to come through whenever they're ready mm -hmm. to come or if like you said if you working kind of keeps you you know moving forward and stuff like i don't i don't think anybody should really label that as wrong or right but it's interesting because other people do have expectations of what you should do when somebody passes away they have right. expectations about everything victor <laughs> like i'm so over it <laughs> you know i actually a few days ago, because my mom's staying with me, she had eye surgery. She's fine. She's fine. She's just recuperating. But she was staying with, she's been staying with me to kind of like, you know, because she couldn't see anything for a while. And I've been having a lot of just conversations with her about random things. And I said, you know what? I don't know if it's what everybody said that once you hit a certain age, um, and th and this is like for women, I've heard a lot of women say, once you hit, hit like a certain age, it's not that you don't care anymore, but you're just so tired of working so hard to meet everybody's expectations. And then you realize that you're never going to do that. So then there comes a point where you just like, poof, you just start being you and then if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It feels very freeing. And so I only bring this up because, yeah, like I think maybe had I been in your shoes a few years back, I would have, without realizing it, been very like observant of 
oh my gosh, I'm not acting the way that people expect me to act. Now it looks like I'm a jerk and I don't care. And, you know, like I would have probably been wrapped up in that. And now it's like, do you, however that is. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because something really interesting happened during this funeral. Because I tell you, there was like three weeks in between from because of COVID delays, like they, COVID still has an impact on our everyday lives. You yeah. know? I don't want to say we're at the tail end of it. I hope we're at the tail end of it. Looks like we had a peak and now it looks like we're kind of like death, like gradually coming down. So yeah, one of the things that I had decided to do at the beginning of the month was to travel a little bit more in 2022. I had already had this conversation with my mom of, this is kind of like an immigrant narrative. Uh-huh. It's something really funny that came up last year. And I, I think there was like all these emotions that came as, as a cause of a pandemic and genuinely having to stay home for such a long time. So I kind of like felt that I was like missing out on life, that I needed to go out and experience like more things and just kind of like do things instead of like staying home on a Friday night or a Saturday night. So I decided that I was going to travel more. As we started coming out of the pandemic, I mentioned to one of my friends, like by October, we had already reached a point where people were like comfortable with traveling. Most daily activities of daily life had resumed like with mask use, you know, and people are still being careful, but kind of like we were at a more relaxed time during the pandemic. Yeah. So I started talking to my friends like, hey, let's go to Puerto Vallarta in October for Halloween. And then I was like, yeah. And then those plans fell through. And then it was, hey, let's go for Thanksgiving. And then those plans fell through. And then it was, let's go for New Year. And then those plans fell through, right? So like come January 1st, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, like you had proposed that you were going to one of your goals this year is to travel more. Like, fuck it, it's time to travel alone. Don't wait on anybody because life can change in a heartbeat. I did that. I booked a trip to Puerto Vallarta for February 2nd through the 7th. And I, I had said, I'm going to go to Puerto Vallarta. I'm going to have fun if nobody comes with me. Puerto Vallarta is kind of like the city where like you can like really show up and make new friends if you just talk to people, mm -hmm. right? Which I have no problem doing. And you'll have a good time even though you're on your own, right? There's a ton of things to do. So I booked that trip and then I was talking to a friend right after that, after I had booked that trip and I told him like, oh, I'm going to be in Puerto Vallarta from like this date to this date. And he says, oh, I'm going to be there too. Are you going for beef dip? And I said, I don't know what that is. I was going to say, which is what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you eat it or? <laughs> right? So like, uh, like, what is that? And he said, oh, it's International Bear Week in Puerto Vallarta during the time that both you and I are going to be there. So I was like, International Bear Week? And so I start looking it up. Uh -huh. And it's this week-long celebration of, like, bears from all around the world. Do you know what a bear is? In the gay community, do you know what a bear is? No, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, how wonderful. They're so caring of the bears. <laughs> like the <animal. laughs> No, it's it's not real, real bears. <laughs> a bear can be um, a, a gay man uh -huh. who's like a little bit broader, hairier, doesn't necessarily fit kind of like your ideal, like established, 
beauty of what like the mainstream decides what beauty is, right? They're oh. kind of like pudgy or a little bit fuller, a little like bit like a hairier. little rougher on the edges. Yeah. Okay. But then you also have kind of like the muscle bears, which are like these big muscle guys with like and like fur all over, right? Uh-huh. Um, we have like the entire spectrum of like these bodies that don't necessarily fall into your standards of beauty, your typical standards of beauty, right? Like mm-hmm. they're not cut, like they have a little bit more on their bodies or a little bit thicker. So I did not know that that was going to happen. And I did not know that like, I've, it, it was super interesting, right? Because like right after I worked really hard for my Halloween costume, the things that are important to gay men, right? So I trained really hard for like months and I lost all this weight. Like I wasn't even like dehydrating for like the last week. Ridiculous. And then November 1st comes around and I did not go to the gym for like an entire month. Uh-huh. It turned into, we're going to take the week off. We're going to take the month off. And then it became an entire month, right? So I gained a little bit of weight and I kind of like kept it on. Which doesn't look bad, if I may say, if it's okay to say, because I know you post pictures and it does not. I, I would not even have thought that you gained weight. I, I did, right? And it was confirmed because today I went to the to the doctor and she's, wow, you gained 10 pounds. <laughs> that, but it looks good, though. It does. I promise you, it doesn't look bad. Thank you. Usually when I go to the beach, I feel like this kind of like sort of like pressure to work out a little harder, kind of like have my body be a little bit like trimmer. But because I knew that I was going to go to like where a bunch of like big burly men were going to be hanging out. It works out. Yeah, like I did not feel that pressure at all, right? So then I had planned for this trip. Then my father passed away. So my dad wanted things... When he talked about his passing, he always talked about wanting things executed quickly and that he didn't want to, like, a big to-do about his funeral, which is perfectly fine. He talked to my sister. He talked to my brother because he wanted to make sure everyone knew specifically his last wishes. And so we're sitting there, and they tell us, like, on the 24th, we said, like, can we have the funeral? Like, can my dad be cremated? And can we have this? He died on a Monday. And so we said, like, we would want to have, like, the services, like, Sunday. And he said, oh, it'll be, like, a couple of weeks before we get your father's ashes. And once we get the ashes, we'll have, um, we'll reach out to you for availability. And so availability might mean that it might be, like, a week out or, like, a couple of weeks out. So we're, like, sitting there and, like, this might take an entire month to go through, like, for us to kind of, like finish this process right we arranged everything he said he's like probably your we'll get your father's ashes like around the 7th or the 8th um and then we'll call you and then we'll set up this thing right so i felt that because my trip fell within that window i felt like you should go to puerto vallarta like your dad should have wanted you to go like mi papá siempre decía que el, que el muerto al pozo y el vivo al gozo so, which is kind of like a very rancho thing to say. Um, <laughs> but very yeah. true. And so my dad, one of the one of the things that I have about, one of the qualities that I inherited from my dad is that he's also like a very like matter of fact man, right? So like very logical. So I thought to myself, I'm kind of like planning this funeral, but I also come from a career path where like literally I can work from anywhere 
like even before the pandemic, people in marketing and PR, you and like journalists, like we learned how to learn, we learned how to work from anywhere, literally anywhere. I've had to pull on the side of the highway and write statements on like a note, like a digital notepad and proof it and send it to the media, right? Because like they need a statement right then and there. So things like that. So you learn how to work uh, work from anywhere. So I thought to myself, like, I'm going to go to Puerto Vallarta. I'm going to use this kind of like a reflection, like a reflection opportunity and find out what my father meant to me, right? And 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 I knew that I was going to have to be the one to speak at his funeral. There was just this unsaid rule or kind of not unsaid rule but we just kind of like knew that i was going to be the one to speak right yeah not that my father would have wanted it that way but i knew that my sister couldn't do it my brother said that he wouldn't do it he's like i don't think i can hold it together so then i did it because somebody has to speak on behalf of the family right so when i was in puerto vallarta the beach is beautiful uh, originally when i had a plan to go like I was gonna like literally go balls out to the wall with the partying because it's been years since I've been on vacation because of the pandemic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, and shame on me because I should take more time off from work, right? But in in a perfect world, that would happen. So I decided that I was gonna go balls to the wall and that I was gonna have a great time. And then after my dad passed, I said like, you know, kind of like tone it down don't go aggressively to like the party, reflect, go to the beach, see what happens. I did go to a couple of bars like in the early afternoons and I met like some great people. And throughout the entire trip, like there were circumstances where I had to stop like in the morning and kind of like call people, arrange certain things, find out like prices for like funeral plots or like nichos because he was going to be cremated. All that, all those things. So I did that and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And before you knew it, I had kind of like six pages of like all these things that I wanted to share with people about my dad, right? I'm like, this is way too long. Like you can't, you can't sit people through this. So just kind of like the, like pick the things that are important to you and go from there, right? So I had to do a lot of editing. It ended up being like a very short eulogy but I focus on the things that were important to, like the things that I felt that made my dad proud. And and of course, we're nine kids. There was like a family previous to us and then we were kind of like the last three kids from his second family. Yeah, so I kind of like edited down and I talked about the things that were important to, or the things that made my dad proud. Like my first, like his first grandson, my brother getting married, my brother getting a degree in accounting. I'm glad that one shaped up. <laughs> And now he's going for a master's. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Good for you. Keep going. And then Alfonso got married too, right? And Letty never had a wedding. And I'm probably never going to get married. So, like, I'm glad that my father had that and that he had that experience. I said that I gave him his, like, his first four-legged grandson. Oh, that's right. Because they, like, he loved him too. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, you know, there was that. So, like, I focused on that. And then I talked about how he was so responsible, you know, like, and, and his, he, he, he paid for his funeral services. I remember that my dad did not like to owe people money. And like, he left, like when he passed away, he didn't owe anyone money, right? So it's like, probably when I die, there's going to be some outstanding balances somewhere. <laughs> but not my father, right? So he went out and 
my dad would always say that when he when he died, he wanted to go quick. And so even that happened. He died of a heart attack. Um, That's so, I know, because I mean, I mean, I didn't want to be like, oh, what happened? But it was mm -hmm. so unexpected. Yeah. You know, you guys were always posting pictures and hanging out and then it just happened. Yeah. So it was unexpected to us. But heart disease amongst people 80 plus is very, very common. So we knew that. And my dad also had prostate cancer. So that kind of like factored in. And my dad did not want to do like any sort of radiation therapy. There was like treatments that were non-invasive, um, as chemotherapy. So we went with those. And he lived like that for about six years, right? So even that didn't knock him down. And it was a heart attack. And I remember my dad had already said since he was like, since we were young, and I can remember, he said that physicians often told him that he had heart issues, that he had a heart condition. But I mean, the man lived to be 86 years old, right? Yeah. A long life. Yeah, that you know? doesn't happen very often nowadays. No. My grandmother lived to be 101, which is like his mother, which was a little crazier. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they don't build them like that anymore. So... I'm 39 years old. I lost my dad at 39. And even then, I feel that I'm a grown-ass man, you know, and I had my father this long. So definitely there's something to be thankful for that in that experience because even during the funeral, I was talking to my brother about kids and kids that we grew up with who lost parents really young. Yeah. And how that was, right? We had a friend who lost a mom to cancer. We had kids who lost their parents like in a car accident. I know. Um, and then we had the kids that grew up with like very traumatic parents, right? Because there was sometimes parents who had men undiagnosed mental illness. So there was that and we kind of like, we had a great experience. You know, my parents were great parents you know i don't feel they fucked us up as much as other parents <laughs> father, other kids. It, it was the normal level of screwing kids <laughs> up <laughs> no, and, you know, my, when i was talking to my mom about all these things you know we had already talked about how i wanted to change my life and i wanted to travel a little bit more my mom started talking to me about like childhood traumas and i just kind of like did like a side like a double take i'm like my mother knows about like traumas, like the traumas that you develop when you're a kid. I'm like, oh, this lady's starting to get woke on me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? Who are you following? What's going on? <laughs> like, what are you watching? I think it's Facebook. I think she might be watching videos on Facebook. Yeah, I'm also addicted to Facebook now. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah. Of course. But you know what? It's also the platform that connects us. During the pandemic, I taught my mom how to FaceTime which is because she has an Android phone and I have an iPhone, we do it through the Facebook app, through Messenger. Yeah. So she can to use that. Yeah, that's the same thing with my parents. My mom, she's like, you know, for a long time, it was just, I'm just using the phone to make calls, receive calls, and that's it. And then it turned into like, slowly she figured out how to text. We taught her how to text. And then, oh my gosh, let's download uh, Facebook for you. And for a while there, she was just so obsessed with it and like, looking at different things she just couldn't believe that 
you can connect and see things people are sharing, you know. And now she's kind of off that trip, but she does love the messenger, you know, the video calls because my sisters, they they live out of town. So she sees the kids and sees them and stuff. Here, actually, a few days ago, because I do a lot of voice um, notes on message, like Instagram and messenger. And she's like looking and looking at me because I'm messaging different people. And she's like, how do you send those? So then I taught her. And she sent her first voice memo to April, but she was so excited, right? So she she told me, message April and tell her that I sent a voice note and to like check to see if it worked. And I told April and April's like, why did you do that? <laughs> why did you teach your mother? Oh because, my God. <laughs> because she already, you know, when it was when she first discovered Facebook and started figuring it out, we were like all being bombarded with like little videos the little like (laughs) birds and the butterflies and now she's like oh god no we're gonna have all kinds of messages (laughs) yeah but she was so proud of herself and she was so excited so so excited but yeah I mean it does it connects people it connects you know and then them you know like not being able to leave the house as much as they'd like to or go out of town Mm -hmm. you know it is. It, social media is a good thing. It can be a good thing. Absolutely. It can be a good thing. You know, it's interesting you say that because, like I had mentioned, like we're my dad's second family. So we kind of stayed in touch with some of the members of his previous family through Facebook. And oh, so that's wow. How, and they live like in uh, Mexico. They live in, um, one of them lives in Durango. The other one lives in Torreon. And they both came here for his funeral services, right? And so we communicated via Facebook. That's how. And then we also found a long lost relative of my dad who lives in California via Facebook. It's so, like we would have them FaceTime. Wow. Yeah. So those those things did, you know, like even my dad was like, <laughs> we would put my dad on camera so that he could talk to his like cousin in California. Yeah. Mm, and and how's, your, how's your mom doing? Is she okay with it? I think it's a little bit harder for my mom. My mom used to spend a lot of time with him. It separated about 11 years ago, but you always kind of like hear that there's relationships that transcend love and like there stops being love. They're like romantic love is only going to last so long. And if your relationship is based on friendship and kind of like this mutual admiration for each other, then you'll definitely still end up in like in, in each other's lives in some capacity. I believe that. Yeah, right. So like my parents see each other every single day. So I'm sure it's going to be like my mom feels the emptiness. I used to talk to my dad often. I used to see like them once or twice a week. But, you know, I, I do work a lot and I have like a life of my own. So sometimes I wouldn't I, I wouldn't see him as often as I wanted. But I did definitely spend like good time with him. And yeah. <laughs> I know it's so... You know, I often, not to like be morbid or anything, but I often wonder, especially now that I'm older, how am I going to feel? What's, what are going to be the thoughts, my feelings about should my father pass, specifically my dad? Because it was such a um, odd relationship, for lack of a better term. And so it's hard for me to think 
you know, because I know you're you're obviously like the pain and the the sadness and the emptiness. However, it is that 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 you're you know you're feeling that and you're going through that. But I really, really wonder, like, am I going to feel that? You know, on a human level, it's always sad when you know when a life is gone, and but then I have trouble thinking, am I going to be personally really? affected by that and then sometimes I feel bad about that because I can totally sympathize with other people's pain of losing a loved one someone that I may have not had a like a connection with at all and I can and I can sympathize with that and I can even empathize with that but when it comes to my father it's so in limbo and so I hear you say things like, oh, you know, like he taught me so much and he was, I'm so glad that he was, you know, he got to see this and this part of me and this other thing that my siblings got to do or accomplished. And I don't, I don't even know how to react to that. Should it be me? And then I feel like such a jackass. I think everyone has a different experience, right? And so my experience was not your experience. And I will tell you, Julie, if this had, if my father and I did not always have a good relationship, that came with time and that came with age. As I started getting older and my dad started getting older, we developed a much better relationship than what we initially started with. Had I passed away, had my father passed away when I was like a teenager or even in my early 20s or even like my my mid-20s, I think my feelings towards losing my dad would have been very different. The, the better relationship came with, with time and things kind of like evolve, right? So I'm glad that I got to explain. I, it, it would have, I wouldn't have suffered this much of a loss, like really like in my mid twenties, because like my, I felt that like my dad and I were on completely separate wavelengths, right? Now things are different, right? Sometimes things don't work out for people right and they're like it's it's not their fault it's just the way that it's your parents fault because they made you and that's the way you think right yeah. like, at the, <laughs> no it, it's no fault of anyone right we're just born different people and sometimes we're born into this uh, into a family and sometimes we don't see eye to eye with the people that we or the people that the family that we're born into it it happens and and i think it's all contingent on your experience. So I don't think you should feel bad for the things that you innately feel. You know, that's just the way. There's a lot of things that went into you feeling that way, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's just very complex. That's really what it is. It's just extremely complex. But, you know, your your dad passed away. And then I told my mom and she was like, and I don't know, because she kind of thinks of your parents of that time. Mm -hmm. You know, when everybody, we were like so close together or, you know, we stayed with my grandma so much that you guys lived close by that um, she was, she just couldn't believe it, you know, and then I, she was just very quiet. I don't know. I didn't really ask. I don't know if it was like, oh my gosh, now I'm questioning or thinking of my own mortality and like, that's kind of where we're all going. I don't know what was going through her head, but she was just like, he was so still healthy and moving and walking and going everywhere. I don't know, things happen, but 
I do. I do remember your dad. We never really got to have like a conversation because he was a very stern, quiet man. <laughs> he was focused on where he was going and he wouldn't really look elsewhere, but he was very polite. He knew who we were. So every time he would see us, he would say hi and he would say hi to my grandma and stuff. Um, I think we talked more with your mom. But she's also very quiet, so it was probably more my mom and my grandma talking her ear out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that lady can talk to you, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe because I was so young and, like, what is she going to do at that point? You know, like, what was she going to yeah. tell me at that point? She could care less about what my traumas at the time were. <laughs> she, had, she had other business to tend to. But, yeah, I'm sorry for your father's passing, but I'm glad that you seem to be in a safe space right now. You just seem so calm about the whole thing. Like you're taking your time with it. And that's what matters. Taking your time and letting it happen however it happens. You know, one of the one of the reasons why I kind of like have this inner peace about me specifically during this time is because I have absolutely, and you know, I kind of like share this with my brother and my sister. We as a family unit have absolutely no regrets about my father because we all cared for him and we all were active participants in his care, um, in his health care. We all knew about his conditions. We knew the medications he was on. I would help him with like things that he needed for like social security or for his like rent adjustment in his like living facility. All that stuff, you know, either I procured for him or my brother procured for him or whenever he had, like, any sort of issues, like, one or the other. My sister was always a little bit more on the taking them to their appointments. So there was this shared responsibility. And, and I'm super grateful to my brother and my sister because not everything fell on me. And there's, like, absolutely no regrets. Like, even you, like, the thing now is that you have to kind of, like, create this photo collage, like this kind of like slideshow of like our memories, right? And trust me, there was like tons of pictures and we celebrated his birthday and Father's Day and he was always around for Christmas and Thanksgiving. And, you know, we like, we never forgot about our parents, right? And so it made me, when my father passed away and kind of like I had this feeling of like, I don't have any regrets because we all did so much for him. I kind of like started like turning the head towards my mom. And so I started thinking like, if your mother passes away right now, are you going to feel the exact same way? Thought to myself, yes and no, because just like we take care of like my mom, my dad, we take care of my mom. But now, you know, her husband is gone. So I feel that I have to make sure that my mom is doing well and that I spend a little bit more time with her, kind of like make that conscious effort longer has him right and so but i kind of like i always feel that especially because like moms right moms get away with so much <laughs> yes yes they do and i'm going to include myself in that <laughs> really so like my mom aaron who's my who's my hair guy uh-huh mother's hair guy and so, because like, you know, it's like, it's like down the street from my mom's house. So she can like literally walk there and get her hair done. In the hood. And so she has this level of trust with Erin that when she doesn't have money, but she's due for like work on her hair, she just tells Erin like, <laughs> Victor will take care of it. 
when I go out and have dinner with Aaron's or drink with Anders, and he's like, oh, by the way, your mom came in. I'm like, oh, how much is the damage? How much do I owe you? I know. <laughs> do I have to skip my own haircut because now I have to be... <laughs> Yeah, so she gets she gets away with a lot. So it's not like I'm not taking care of my mother. She she gets taken care of plenty, that lady. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, well, I don't know. I guess the same thing could be said about fathers because, you know, I think maybe sometimes you are so used to seeing you're, – you're used to seeing your father or most people see their father as like this strong, stern, firm – individual that doesn't really need anything and then maybe when they start to get older you start to notice oh my gosh they're getting older and I really want to be there for him because he's not he's no longer the man even on a physical level that you once remembered mm -hmm. right and so maybe you lean more towards he's a little weaker and now I have to be there for him more versus mom and and I could just be making this up in my head but <laughs> versus moms you're There's this idea in just society, period, that they deal with it all and they, no matter what happens, they're there and they're pushing through in a different way. And so maybe that's why we tend to think, oh, mom's, she's okay. She's going to be okay. So it's not that we don't want to like tend to them, but like we just, they, they can take this. They're so strong, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. You, know, you know our perception of moms right like mom can handle anything yeah something that's really that I cannot wait for I this is something that I look forward to with my entire being I can't wait watch them grow yes I want to see them you know I want to watch them grow and witness their success or whatever follow their passion follow their path whatever that is I'm excited for that, but I cannot wait to meet who their partner in life is going to be. And I can't wait because I'm excited to get a glimpse of how someone else loves them in such a big way, right? The same, love, love, loves them so much as I do, but in a different way. And I'm excited to see that through somebody else's eyes. Okay. So I always tell my kids, I can't wait, you know, the oldest one, whoever your partner is, I can't wait for him or, you know, whatever, her, I don't know, uh, to come and have coffee with me and then talk. And then obviously in building a relationship, I'm going to get to to see a little glimpse of how they care for my children and how they love them. And and I just can't wait. I, I can't wait for that. Just as much as I can't wait to have grandkids, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, pressure. <laughs> no pressure but let, let's wait a little longer it's okay if we wait a little longer but yeah I can't I don't know what it is about that that I just I'm curious to know what it's like to 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 hear somebody love them genuinely and purely and then get to witness that as a mom that's a beautiful thing to to want to experience right because And, and to hear you kind of like approach it from that way, because most, most of our Mexican moms are like, oh, this person's not good enough for my child. <laughs> no, I pray so much that I am able to, because I think just innately as a parent, when somebody's hurting your child or you feel that this person's going to be mm -hmm. bad for your child, you just want to like, 
naturally be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't, right? But mm -hmm. I pray so much that I am aware of that and that I keep my boundaries, you know, that I respect their boundaries, but more than anything that I am able to foster a relationship with this person, like, you know, whoever's sharing life or even moments or a period of mm -hmm. time with my kids. I really want to honor that. And so I'm so excited. I think now the problem's going to be, am I going to be uh, annoying to them? Because <laughs> I so desperately yeah, want that. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, your mom wants to talk to me again. You know? <laughs> no, but yeah, like I, and I think that probably has a lot to do with the fact that my mom, and even my, my dad, but, you know, more so my mom has really fostered relationship with our significant others. And I just, I want that. I want to be able to have the freedom to talk with them and have them even come to me if they need help. Like, because if you think about it, this person is going to impact your child's life. And so obviously you want to care for them because whatever happens can also trickle down to your child. I'm glad to hear you talk about boundaries, right? Because yeah. <laughs> like my 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 mother and my sister were almost successful at it. Yeah, um, almost successful because this is what ended up happening. So apparently, my mother and my sister went to Aaron's. They had a discussion with Aaron about me being newly single, and so they decided to tell him like. We're glad that this relationship's over because we never really liked that guy. But then, like, <sighs> later on, I'm having dinner with Aaron, and Aaron says, did you know that your mom and sister didn't like that guy? You know, like, <laughs> I had my suspicions. <laughs> and she's like, well, you guys, absolutely, they did not like that guy. They went about it on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I do. I want to I want to be able to honor that. I hope that I'm able to even if you know they understand that I try, you know, and like I even if I don't that I'm able to catch myself and be like, "Okay, that was not okay. I'm not going to overstep." But I I hope so. As a matter of fact, like not long ago my youngest one because again, I'm always thinking of them with their life and having kids and, you know, and I asked Pax, who's my youngest one, he's four. And I was just in there looking at him and I was like, oh my gosh, he's four right now. I can't even imagine him being a father, should he choose to become a father, you know? And so I said, Pax, when you have babies, are you going to let them come to my house? And am I going to be able to like hug them and hold them? And he quickly said, yes, if they want to. And I was like, you're right. Let's hope they do because I can't wait. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, that is important. And hope that I'm able to honor that. I'm sure your kids are going to love you. I hope so because I don't I want to I don't want to be like the crazy suegra. Never had a crazy suegra. That's good. Yeah. There's, there's even a couple of suegras. I, there was a running joke about me that they used to call me the mommy charmer. Oh. His like, moms were heartbroken. Whoever I broke up with or whoever broke up with me was not heartbroken. Like, mom was heartbroken. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of relationships. I've only had a couple of significant relationships that were, like, multi-year relationships. And when they ended, they ended it, like, in a very catastrophic way. So we do not. It was really interesting because I did kind of, like, my last relationship when we 
parted ways, we kind of knew that like, we still had kind of like the, this um, deep respect and admiration for each other. And so when we broke apart, when we broke up, we would still kind of like see each other go out for dinner, go out for drinks, talk about what we were doing in life and even talk about like the people that we were seeing, right? And so like it, it was never an issue, right? But then as kind of like time went on, the one issue that kind of like broke up relationship all of a sudden wasn't an issue when he was in another relationship. And so that kind of hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment on, I thought like, like I don't want to keep in touch with this person. Like I just kind of like remember kind of like feeling betrayed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like is this not an issue like in your new relationship, right? So I kind of felt that he was not fully honest. Um, And I also kind of, like, value my time, right? Like, don't waste my time. You know that this is not going to work out. Like, verbalize it now. And it's, like, part of, like, the betrayal, too, is that, you know, you have these relationships that are based, like, on 100% chemistry. You know, like, there's, like, passion, fireworks, like, high emotions. And then you kind of, like, have these relationships that kind of, like, just like you ease into people, mm-hmm. understand each other. Like this guy was, and he was a paramedic. He is a paramedic, right? And I'm also in healthcare professionally. So there's going to be long days in healthcare. Um, there's going to be special circumstances, like August 3rd, the shooting that lingered for so long in our community. And mm-hmm. still lingers. there's those kind of things, right? So I, I had this conversation with my physician today about like, getting to know someone who has, who understands what your job is and kind of like has a res, uh, respects your job, right? Like I remember this one time that we were gonna go together to this gala and he couldn't make it because he had to stay and cover an extra shift. Mm. Just when I was gonna go to a birthday party with him and I couldn't because there was a water break at the hospital, right? And we don't hold those things against each other. So there's just kind of like these, because of that, we kind of like had a really, really good relationship. And even though there wasn't like passion and fireworks, it was just such an easy relationship to be in. We both respected each other. We both respected our jobs. There, He made good money. I made good money. So when we traveled, like, it was it was it was nice. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was there's there was just kind of like we were like in a really good relationship and like super healthy too because we were all like about communicating. So even then when we kind of like broke apart, we came to terms with kind of like the separation. There was like no ill feelings to each other. And then it wasn't up until a year later that he started dating someone else and I was like, "Oh shit, like it's, it's okay that he was dating someone else, right? But, like, all of a sudden he was telling me that, like, what was initially an issue between him and I, all of a sudden isn't an issue with this person. So I kind of, like, felt personally betrayed and so let that go. Yeah. Fíjate que ahorita que estás diciendo, I think that you actually hit the nail and I think that maybe a lot of people struggle que no tienen un compañero o una compañera. Because the expectation is there has to be the fireworks. There has to be the, oh, the the constant, like, te quiero, te quiero, te quiero, and I can't have enough of this, you know. And I don't think that that is actually long term. 
I think that that is setting oneself up for just temporary. I think mm-hmm. long term is the slow, the companionship, the conversations, the friendship, the sharing, even in silence, you know. If you had get a lot of times, dicen que whenever a person has had, especially like a traumatic childhood and la relaciones que buscas you find something that kind of like sets your nervous system on alert that's why there's so many toxic relationships porque te atrae something that feels chaotic that reminds your nervous system what was the norm what was comfortable for you right even though it wasn't right and it wasn't you didn't necessarily like it but your body registered it as oh, this is normal because this is what I grew mm-hmm. up with, right? So without realizing it, you seek that. So I think that a lot of times when we focus on that, the actually more of a red flag, I think now, versus take your time, you know? Y, y, y obviously, te tiene que atraer esta persona because without attraction, like, no hay nada, you know, after a while. But that also fades at some point. That's kind of like the beginning of it, you know? But no que te deje de gustar o de atraer, but it's, different so yeah I think that that's why maybe that kind of worked different for you and it felt so easy because it was so slow and calm and not chaotic and you know what Hollywood tells you it should be that's a lie (laughs) it's a lie (laughs) you know more than anything I have a lot of friends who are nurses or who are in healthcare, who are firefighters um, or paramedics. So you kind of like grow to have like this admiration for them because mm-hmm. that those jobs are not easy. Yeah, you know, no. Any service job, right? Any sort of like first responder job, you know, um, regardless of how you feel about police mm-hmm. department, like those jobs are still hard too. Like those yeah. men or put in some hard situation as well, right? So, you know, definitely there's 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 a lot of um, respect that goes, where like that I respect people who are in these positions, right? Like talk about people who run to the fire instead of from the fire, right? You guys Which, speak the same language. Yes, you know, and something that's really interesting, and this is not like a backhanded comment, there was mm-hmm. just a lot of nurses when the pandemic started, happened, that decided that healthcare wasn't for them because they were afraid of the coronavirus, right? And a lot of them had families to go to after work. So we all had different reasons of why we stayed behind or why they left healthcare. But you always kind of think about like nurses being the people that run towards the fire um, instead of from the fire. So you find out that there's people that will draw the line at certain things and will say like, no, right? And and go back into their safe zone. So, yeah, definitely I've got a lot of admiration there. Um, so when I started talking to this guy, he kind of like, there was something really interesting about him. Like he knew he wanted to be a paramedic all his life. And that's, you know, talk about like someone living the dream. So even then, that, that level of admiration, right? And he used to tell me these stories. And so we decided one year that for Valentine's Day, I don't like kind of like the big display of like flowers. Or yeah, neither do I. Valentine's Day lights. Neither do I. Give me something that's going to serve a purpose for me. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate fresh flowers, right? So like sometimes when I get them, I, I appreciate them. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm a man who likes to get flowers. 
That's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> hey, flowers um, are beautiful. Can I? Can we get you flowers anytime? Just because? Because oh, I think yeah. Because I think what I think what bothers me is the whole on that day everybody has to go out. I mean, and hey, I, again, I'm not judging anybody because if that's your thing and that's your love language, go for it. I'm glad you got it. But I'm like. Why, why on that day? Why can't you just show up on a random Wednesday and bring something like that? That's yeah. that's my thought behind that. Yeah. <laughs> it has a little bit more value, right? When you're not expecting it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we decided that for for Valentine's Day, he lives, he's from a town called Van Horn, Texas. Uh-huh. I hate hearing this story. So his family still lives in, his mom and his dad live in Van Horn, Texas. And so... I was like, we can take the day off or we can take the afternoon off and like go have dinner with your parents, like take them out to dinner. So very lovely people, amazingly nice people. They actually didn't let us take them out to dinner. His mom made like enchiladas verdes and they were like mm. delicious. They made like amazingly good home food. Um, like I still remember the food. And then like afterwards, what ended up happening is that Throughout the course of our relationship, she would send me asado. Like she would make some killer asado. Really? And she would offer me asado. <laughs> so that's what I missed from that relationship. So <laughs> it's not him. It's the asado. <laughs> I miss him, but I miss the asado and I miss it terribly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Way to my heart is through food. Yeah. Especially like asado and chile colorado. Delicious, delicious. Um, and I had a lovely time and they were lovely people. And I also got to meet his um his grandparents. And throughout the course of the evening, she starts taking out like pictures from his childhood. And she shows me this picture of him six years old. And he's like in scrubs and like is wearing a stethoscope. Cause like he knew that he always wanted to do that. Right. So there was like this high level of admiration because this kid who knew from very young that that's what he wanted to do. And then that's what he did. So, yeah, definitely grew to admire him because of that. And then, unfortunately, it fizzled. But, you know, live and but learn. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, and you have obviously wonderful memories of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, there's this still one picture that I don't get rid of just because it's such a cute picture. And, and, and when I see it, like, I don't have any negative feelings towards, like, him or the situation. There's this picture of us holding hands. Um down Main Street at the tracks on Disneyland. And so like the you see the castle behind us and we're holding hands and we're both wearing like these shirts that say like Disney on the back. That was like the best vacation ever. Like that was the vacation where I felt like a kid again. And you know, extremely privileged because we got like the fast pass. When we went to SeaWorld, we got like another fast pass. So like we had like frontline everything. And I remember him turning to me and telling me, he's, you know, thank you so much for this vacation because, like, this is not the way that I grew up. And I'm like, oh, this is not the way that I grew up. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I was an adult when I came to Disney and I paid my own way without my family. Mm-hmm. And then um, the really cool thing is that this kind of, like, happened just by sheer luck. At the same time that he, he and I were in California, my sister had already planned to be in California and we through conversation, we found out that we were both going to be there at the same time, except that they had omit, they had done all the, planned all these activities in California, except Disney. I said, like, 
if you guys pay for your adult tickets, I'll pay for the kids' tickets, and like we can all go to California. We can all go to Disneyland and have like a family day at Disney. Oh, and it happened. And it happened, you know. So we have like family pictures of us in California. There's this amazing picture of like me shaking Tigger's hand, and then all of a sudden, like my that picture, my it looks like I'm about to eat him because my face is like. My mouth got so low. I, I genuinely like laughing, right? So sometimes like my mouth opens like really wide and it looks like I'm about to take a bite out of him. I was like, <laughs> um, You were having fun. Totally having fun, right? And then I'm glad that I could enjoy that because the first time that I went to Disneyland, I was like super cynical about the entire experience. I'm like, Kids in China get paid 10 cents to like make this basketball that Disney's selling for $30. Like, you know, things like that. Just like the wrong attitude. Yeah. And also, my mom, California Adventure, I used to have a winery. Uh-huh. So, like, I was lit at Disney or like at California Adventure and like going between both parks. So, like, drunk on wine, on multiple <laughs> bottles of wine because. I don't think they have that winery anymore. Yeah, it was such a cynical time to go to Disney. <laughs> totally included. There was like even like a moment where I kind of like let a tear out because at the end of the night they have like this beautiful, amazing like firework display with like the light show in the castle, and then it fucking started snowing. What? Started playing the music from Frozen. Like it started fucking snowing, and I lost my shit. I was like, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> like this is meant to be. <laughs> oh yeah, that was talk about a Disney experience. I totally, totally enjoyed. Oh my gosh, Victor, tú y yo, I'm starting to find out que somos igual en ese sentido because there's they're like I look at moments and I play them in my head. In my heart, they feel they explode. Like maybe to mm-hmm. everybody else is like whatever. What is she? You know, this is stupid. This is nothing. But. The most insignificant things or maybe the like the tiniest things that nobody, you know, listens to, like the smell of something of a special moment or the people present or that feeling of like nothing special is happening, but you see who's around you and you're like, I'm so grateful that I'm here right now, you Mm -hmm. know? And siempre he sido así de ridícula. Siempre, bueno, ridícula para la gente because that's how they label it, but that's just who I am. But I'm like, I can totally see what you're saying. If I would have been there and I would have seen the snow, I would have been like, that's it. And I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm crying. Who planned this? Who paid for it? Good job. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was such a great experience to be able to not only share that with him, but also share that with my family. And you know, I still think about like those memories. And because it's him, like, doesn't mean that I have negative feelings towards those situations. I remember those things as being, like, extremely magical. I remember thinking that that was, like, the first time that I thought my nephew thought that I was cool because he wanted to come hang out with me instead of hanging out with his little brother. Like, you know, we kind of, like, started together. We went our separate ways. We came together back for lunch. I, I kind of, like, also want to make sure that what my father did for me, I'm kind of doing for my nephews and showing them that my dad always said, if you work really hard, you'll always get what you what what you want and you'll have a great life, right? I'm very thankful that my parents, both of them, always pointed me in the right direction. Always pointed me in the right direction and everything that they did was in, in my in my benefit. Like mm-hmm. it, it's helped in my life. So grateful for that. But there we went to 
the Blue Bayou, and I had made reservations for myself and my partner at the time, but our nep my nephew was with us, so he came to dinner with us, right? And so for some reason, we all had steaks that night. I love a good steak. My partner from West Texas loves a good steak, and so like because we were having steaks, my nephew also ordered a steak. Uh -huh. There was have like close to five hundred dollars, and so my nephew they gave it to my nephew, and like he opened the book and he's like, oh shit, like how much money do I owe you? So I looked at it and I said, like you don't owe me anything. I got your dinner, and I put my card in, right? And so that was. He later told me, and I'm glad that he did, because that was exactly like the intent behind it. He's like, you didn't even flinch when you saw the total on He the, wants that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you should strive to want that, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and I told him, right? And then I also told him a story which kind of like connects these two stories because my mom, like in high school, I would help my parents clean offices, like lawyers, attorneys' offices. Uh -huh. Sometimes like we would go like at 8 p.m., right? And so you have hardworking attorneys who like it's 8 p.m. and they're still at the office. Like they live there. And so like I remember one day I was cleaning offices with my parents and there was a an attorney, right? And like I could see him since I was the one that spoke English. I'm like the one who knocked on the door and asked like to take out his trash and if he needed any, um, how long he was going to be so that we could go in there and clean. And so... My mom said, did you see that he had that he had his initials like on his handcuff? And I said, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And she's like, that's what I want for you. Now that I'm a professional, every time that I go to Austin, most of the time my company puts me in this great little location called The Domain in Austin at the Archer Hotel. And literally across the street, there's a Nordstrom. Well, at Nordstrom, you can go get custom made shirts and because I'm so wide and because I'm short and kind of like ready to wear shirts don't really work for me, I started going to Nordstrom and like every trip I would buy like one of these custom built shirts and you have the opportunity to like put your initials on them, right? So I remember like I showed that to my mom and she was very proud because she would always tell me like, that's what I want for you. Like, I want you to have a career where you can do that. And that's what I told my nephew. I'm like, I, that's how I want you to like, I want you to work hard and I want you to live your life that way. Like, I want you to take your family to Disney. I want you to like buy, have the opportunity to buy a good dinner for them and to give them like the experience of a lifetime because Disney was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking right now as I hear you saying all this and, it, and I'm going to share a little something with you, but I'm going to tell you how it ties into what you're saying. So one of the things que estaba hablando con mi mamá también hace poquito she was saying the the thing I wish for most or that I wish I could do if if it was possible was that I would live forever. Pero no porque I'm afraid to die or anything like that. She's like, I just want to be able to like witness toda mi descendencia. Que hacen and to just, I don't know, but I guess like the same thing that I'm telling you about my kids and their partners. Like you can't wait to see them and just be full of joy watching them whatever it is that they're doing, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, I know, like, I would love that to just even be in the little corner away, you know, not bothering anybody, but be able to have that opportunity to witness everybody that's going to come from you, generation after generation after generation. And listening to you, I was in my head thinking, that's your father right now in heaven, witnessing it all, including in 
you know, my own little thoughts, this conversation and like you sharing small moments of joy and the, you know, how maybe they inspired you and you feel so proud that you were able to fulfill those things, you know, and have them witness it. And now passing that on to your nephew. And it's like, that's exactly what's happening right now. His physical body is not here, but now he's in a place where he can do that. He can now witness every single generation and you are such an important part of that and the ones that are to come and what's going to be built from there and that's what kept coming to my head like how wonderful it must be for him right now to be listening in on this and what else is going to come i hope he's not afraid of what's coming right <laughs> i hope it's all good and if he doesn't like it turn an eye away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to turn away, Dad, right? Because, um, I mean, my dad was a lovely man, right? But my father sangre. He kind of, like, knew, right? I think, I think my dad and I had a really good relationship because, like, after so many years, my dad figured out that we were very similar. I was going to say, yeah. And you probably understood him then, too. Oh, and yeah. Stopped, and you stopped know, pushing back, maybe. I'm not afraid of genuinely becoming my father. I think there's, like, a large percentage of me that's my father now. You know, like I mentioned, like, my dad was a really good-looking man, and that got him into trouble. Oh, my gosh, he was. <laughs> Con todo el respeto. <laughs> like, and I mean this in a very respectful way. Muy guapo. Like, sus facciones. Como que lo hicieron sculpt. <laughs> and then I saw like a young picture of him and I was like, oh my God, like my dad, my dad had like, like a model's face. Like, yeah. Like... Y fíjate que todos tienen mucho de él. Pero de todos el que más se parece a él es you. Because when you put your pictures de, de chiquito, like mm -hmm. tienes esas facciones. I think so too. Like lo, tenemos de los dos. Pero mm -hmm. yo creo que salí más a mi papá. Mm -hmm. Ya más de grande nos empezamos a a llevar mejor y a tener conversaciones más íntimas. Y mi papá me decía, me decía desde que estaba chiquito, este, mi hijo, usted antes de que se case, dice, las mujeres son como una tienda de nieve y usted las tiene que probar todas para que sepa exactamente. Así lo que mero, me, me, por eso me cae bien. Por eso yo sabía que me caía bien. So he would tell me that, right? Later he found out that the same comment would apply to men um, instead of women. But even then, that didn't face my dad. And he kind of like, he told me on a couple of occasions, like, you're just like I am. Like, tú eres igual de cabrón que yo. And so he would tell me, like, I think your sister's going to get married. I think your brother's going to get married. But it's going to be really hard for you to get married. You like your freedom. And so he was right, right? But one of the things that I also inherited from my dad is that my dad was a person who believed in love. He went into his last marriage, I think, at 42. My dad was 47 or 49 when I was, okay. so he was already an older man. He went into like another relationship late. And so he had three marriages. So obviously he believed in love, right? And yeah. so I believe as well, but sometimes it's really hard to balance like a love life, being the person that I am, knowing that I enjoy my freedom, knowing that I believe that it would be great to find a partner that you love and respect. And it's okay to have that if that happens. But also somebody who knows, like, not to force it, that it's better to be off on their own than to be in a situation you don't want to be in. Somebody who's old enough to not let things get 
toxic or when they see those kind of behaviors definitely know what's good for them and like turn their back towards that and, and kind of like take care of yourself right yeah. and once again that factors into how matter of fact my dad was and how matter of fact I am too right it's like this is not good for me walk away from it my dad had this thing where like he really trusted physicians so like the day that like the physician said like you need to stop eating eggs and cheese like my dad stopped eating eggs and cheese and like never touched eggs and cheese again wow the day we told him like you have to stop drinking he stopped drinking like whole turkey right and my dad like say le gustaba echarse sus cervezas como dice van a llegar tarde hasta el funeral hasta su propio funeral <laughs> there's a saying like that right vas a llegar tarde hasta tu funeral <laughs> and so because it's, it's funny you say that because um One of the things like that just kind of like stuck in my head was that my dad used to tell people like, when I die, we're going to have to wait for Victor, like whenever he can fit it into his schedule, right? Uh-huh. My sister says that and my sister remembers that. And so like when we planned out my dad's, when we started planning out my dad's funeral and they told us like it's going to be two weeks out before we can get like his ashes here, that kind of like felt outside of like when my trip was supposed to happen, right? So like my sister kind of like picked up on that right away and she said that, she's like, si bien dijo mi papá que te iban a tener que esperar hasta que tú tuvieras tiempo. <laughs> I'm like, this is just the way that things are working out. Like, You're like, it's not, not me. me. I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, you know, that goes back into like the person that my dad was. If I didn't know any better, I think he made things happen this way for like a reason, right? Like the timing was good enough for me to like still be able to take a trip and kind of like experience something that I don't get to experience every day, right? Because having that experience, Julie, was kind of like, I have been having body issues like all of my life, right? It just kind of like, and that's, I'm no stranger. My feelings are no stranger to what a lot of people our age mm -hmm. kind of like, right? Continuously bombarded with like, images of what was cool what was like the standard of beauty like. i think our generation like my generation for sure and then still te alcanzó a ti diet culture image perception of what beauty is and yeah there was like i don't know if you remember i wrote about it in college like the aesthetic that calvin klein developed in like the mid 90s like this heroin chic fashion never really moved outside of that aesthetic no like, no Models may have looked a little bit healthier, but they were still really, really tiny models. Yeah, because somebody says, oh, this is a plus size model. And I'm like, that's very like average. average. <laughs> yeah, that's like an average everyday woman out here. You huh? know, I too have had to fight a lot of that. Porque we talked about it on the last, last time you were on. I don't, that's just not how I'm structured. 
I mean, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I do. So I there there came a point where I had to just through a lot of difficulties. I grew up in a time where like the thinner and the slimmer you were, the prettier. I'll, I'll, I'll even mm-hmm. venture out to say that people think, oh, she must be smart. Like they somehow, without saying it, attach it to, oh, she must be smart. She must be special, right? Uh, versus somebody like me who's like thick all around. Like and that's just, I can't help it. That's just how I am <laughs> built. You know, it was really, really hard growing up in that. Yeah, ahora, you still have a lot of like the closer to blonde, closer to whiteness, closer to thin. That's representation of fit and healthy. Mm-hmm. But if I'm over here showing up in my body, lifting weights and still have, because I'm extremely flexible. They're like, oh, wow, what are you doing? And it's like, why can't be that? Why is that not accepted as the norm? Why do I have to look a certain way for you to know that I'm strong or that I'm mm-hmm. athletic or that I can still do so much more in my body? You know, it's really, really hard. Which brings me to this. I wanted to ask you, I know you said you took the opportunity to go to the beach. When this happened, go to Puerto, Puerto Vallarta, right, is where mm-hmm. you went. Yeah. But now you went because you knew this was happening, this event or celebration that was happening. And that immediately gave you like a, a sense of relaxation, like, oh, this is this is a safe space for me to show up into. That's exactly what I thought. Like, this is like a space that I'm not going to be judged because of my body. And you you didn't have it in the back of your head. In, in experiencing that and being there, did it click anything in your head? I need this type of freedom in my life. 100%. I'm glad that you asked that, right? Because we kind of like started the story. It didn't really come full circle. But 100%, the being able to kind of like be in a space where there's a lot of people who look exactly like you and they think that that kind of like body is sexy, is acceptable, is embraced and celebrated. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It was kind of like a celebration of kind of like a fuller figure. And so like you go to the beach and like you go hang out with people that look, look just like you. Right. And so like you meet people from all around the world who look exactly like you. Like I met somebody from Cuba, somebody from Ireland, they bring like international models. Sometimes it's it's porn stars, it's it's adult entertainers. So they bring in like models from like all over the world. And they brought in this guy who is from from across the pond. He's from Britain. And he he's kind of like more like a fitness person, bodybuilder, but he is gay. He has a partner, both him and his partner kind of like have like these beautiful physiques. They have a really interesting love story because they met each other when they were like 13 and now like they're now in their mid thirties, but they dedicated their life to like body sculpting. And so like, they have like these amazing bodies, right? And so one of them is like really cut. The other one is like a little bit fuller or hairier. And so like, I stopped at a restaurant and then like two minutes later, like they both sit next to me. And so like, I had the opportunity to like talk to them a little bit, like see them up front. When I started talking to them, I completely forgot that they were British. So I was kind of like taken back by the fact that like, oh, they're, they have an accent. That's right. And that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What that changed for me was 
being able to accept my body for what it is, right? There was a time even recently when I still looked at my body and I said, like, I need to work on this. These are my problem areas. And we talked about kind of like for Halloween, I worked out really hard for four months to the point of burning out and not going to the gym for like an entire month, like being so burned out that I didn't really find the joy and I did not have like the internal motivation to go anymore. And that's not why I started weightlifting, right? Yeah. Like I did want to change my body. I did want to be healthier. I did want to do something different than what I was used to doing as like health and fitness. And it's always something it's something that I always wanted to do. And I just never had kind of like the time or even the finances. Cause like it takes money, like, right? Like hobbies like these take money. That's, that's no longer right. And, and even like you eat, cause sometimes like you eat like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have dinner before this and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat when we get off like, this conversation, right? Like, there's salmon in the fridge. Right? Yeah, like now I kind of like feel that I have found that I accept my body for the body that I have, that I'm thankful for the body that I have. And I have started enjoying my workouts again because I think I lost kind of like the passion for that you know, goal focus that I forgot that the moment the dedicate right like in, the ritual of it all absolutely right and and kind of like what the good that it brings into your life because this is this is really where i process like i like to go to the gym early in the morning because there's not a lot of people at the gym sometimes i process my feelings at the gym and sometimes i end up crying by myself at the gym and i'm like i'm crying and i'm sad over this but i'm not fucking giving up and i'm still gonna continue this workout <laughs> it's like this is what needs to get done right and so i find out i find the passion again and kind of like working out and just seeing like the way that my body develops you were you kind of like we're talking about like having to be a certain body in order to be considered strong healthy strong healthy strong right yeah i have i have a friend who's a who's a power lifter and so at plain sight you just think that she's kind of like overweight and then, like, I saw her at the gym, and she's lifting, like, 700 pounds on a deadlift. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're like, <sighs> I, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't even do half that weight. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. So, you know, and then you find out about powerlifting. And so, like, powerlifter bodies look completely different than somebody who does it for, like, the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Value or representation of it, right? That definitely did me a lot of good. I don't regret it because we kind of like started talking about the expectations of like how people expect you to grieve. Um, it, it did me a lot of good to do, to go this. And I'm sure that my father would have loved to hear about how kind of like finally came to like accept my body for the body that it is. Right. Something that I had been struggling for such a long time. Um, because even when my last relationship um, ended, one of the things that, did not sit well with me is that my partner had said that I had gained weight. And so it kind of like bothered me specifically because I thought to myself, like, you did not start dating this person because of their body. You genuinely kind of like started developing feelings for them because you admired them. You know, they're, they're tall, they're thin by your norms of society. They're, they have a nice body. They're good looking, but that's not kind of like the body that, that I'm attracted to. Right. And, and so it kind of like deep, deeply offended me. And I think that kind of, I think it broke my ego 
more than anything for him to say that I had gained weight, especially when I was like super happy, kind of like having this broader body, kind of like still being like a certain size, being a little wide, holding on to that. And so that kind of, I initially thought that that's what he kind of like was attracted to, right? But it, it wasn't. So that kind of like definitely made a sting and it made a mark. But I feel that it's kind of like helped me process that and heal from that because I had never felt so part of something before. That's why representation matters about everything, (laughs) everything. And just because something that you are looking at in front of you is not your thing, that's okay. But that image, that presence, that body, that skin tone, that color of hair, eyes, all of it, that is needed and important for somebody. I had recently a discussion, and I'm not even going to go into it because I was super fired up about it. I was so upset. <laughs> but I was having I was having a conversation with somebody who was upset because he was saying, why are they changing? Which I was completely lost about the whole thing. But he said, why are they changing the comics? Some of the comics, I guess, I don't know if like some of the heroes, children are being bisexual now or whatnot. And I was like, what is that to you, mm-hmm. first of all? And then I was like trying to establish this representation matters. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it because you're not going through that. So you, so this isn't meant for you, first of all, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you can't see the beauty in somebody going out of their way to try and be inclusive, then it's not for you and let it go, right? You can be bothered by it. That's why I'm not even saying like suck up your feelings. No, I'm you can you can feel and think whatever you want about it, but don't dismiss because that takes a lot of courage. Even in today's world, I think that people are under the perception that a lot of things are more accepted. Yes, they are, but it's still a fight. For instance, I see women mothers especially who your body changes Victor like your body changes and yes you can still take care of yourself yes you know but I think that the that our mind has to shift to let's take care of our bodies because they help us because they help us navigate this life because we are grateful that our arms and our legs work and I can still lift my baby or I can still lift this thing to do for my child you know what I mean so I think we need to start changing our mindset like let's take care of our bodies but not because I have to now fit this perfect silhouette that I was maybe in my teens 20s like and now I have two three children like it's for some of us, that's just unattainable, no matter how much you try, you know. And so when you have women, mothers show up in like their underwear and their like little tank tops, like talking about there's nothing wrong with your body. Just your body is a body and it helps you navigate this world and love it and, and accept it for what it is. A lot of people get really grossed out by it. And I'm using that word because that's literally what they emit. They get grossed out by that and they have to make very nasty comments. And I'm like, you never know. Some of us feel seen by that, but some of us or some other people, that is the difference between 
even taking your life because you can't handle any more the criticism or people saying that your body is not the right type. Or, you know, and then somebody shows up and says, it doesn't matter, screw them. Like, this is who you are. Love yourself for that. And then choosing life. So I'm so happy that you found that, you know, and I, I mean, I know it's not like overnight and I know it takes time and you got to continuously like stop the negative talk, the negative self-talk and remind yourself over and over and over. But I'm so happy that you found that because once you step into your power, once you step into that, you now serve others and slowly you start to change the narrative for so many others. And hopefully 10 years from now, this isn't going to have to be necessary anymore. This is just going to be normal. Everybody accepts everybody and your body's your body and it's great. And I'm glad that you're healthy, period. That's right. But, but it's, I, I don't understand why that's so hard. And, you know, there's a big movement now. So like a couple of things, there's a big movement now to make clothes even like size them differently for like different kinds of bodies. Right. Cause like everything's kind of like built around this, like Anglo kind of body aesthetic, right? Like I mentioned that I have to sometimes get my, not all of my shirts are custom made, right? I like to treat myself to one every now and then. But I do, if I do want a good fitting shirt, I have to go buy something that fits semi-well and then take it to a tailor so that they can finish kind of like the process and fitting me in. Especially because like you go with like up with these traumas, like my mom always tells me like when, when you're kind of like bigger, you kind of like have to make sure that you like taper close to your body because like the bigger your clothes, the bigger you're going to look too. So I've always kept that from my mom. So I do kind of like make that conscious effort, but there's now companies specifically targeted to people of a certain size. There's pants that are like a little bit larger on the waistband. So we're kind of like making space way into that and headway into kind of like being a little bit more accepting, accepting. But then we also kind of like shit like the fucking Super Bowl that just happened and people criticizing 50 Cent because he's like a little bit bigger than and Mary J. Blige because she's a little bit bigger than like they must be like in their early 50s, right? Like if I'm in my, if I'm about to be 40, they must be in their early 50s. Yeah, I think I think Mary is 51, maybe almost 52. And I'm I seriously looked at her and I'm like, if I can, first of all be that agile and still wear that type of shoe <laughs> in my <laughs> that's a an accomplishment to me like that's already success i don't know why you know they looked she looked good they all did yeah. they, they do look good and they're both a little bit bigger than what they used to be and people are making fun of that right but they're older your body changes not everything is going to stay the same and there's only so much the hollywood machine can do yeah because you get you get into like the hormones you get into genes and like those things you really have no control over like at some point when you're growing up there's a little more flexibility i think that you can manage things through you know eating the right foods and exercise and it definitely like it feels like you have more control over it. You can't. You can't. You just do what you can to feel strong and healthy, and the rest, like it's out of your hands. Unless, like you said, like you go in there and you're tucking and and 
placing needles and cutting and slicing up or whatever, which if that's your thing and that makes you feel good, great. But I hate that I think more often than not people go under the knife because of the pressures of I have to look a certain way. I don't think that it's because, oh, this truly fulfills me. I think it's because, you know, that's my opinion. I don't know. And I hate it. I hate it, which is another thing that ageism, like, I can't Mm -hmm. stand that either. Like, once you hit a certain age, ya te hacen casi que, ya estás para (laughs) para allá que para acá. And I'm like, no. 100%. It's it's funny the way that you're taking this conversation because one of the things that you're talking about, I kind of like, self-imposed like it's not proper for somebody who's 40 still behaving this way like i was telling my nephew his graduation gift for we grew up in a very musical family there was always like music playing but we got we got it from like everywhere like my my uncle used to have like abba queen los caminantes so like he had like this like really interesting collection of like music. And then my dad liked regional Mexican music. He liked Los Cadetes. And then my mom liked all of the Señora music, like Paquita La del Barrio, Rocio Durcal, Juan Gabriel. Like if it was Señora music, like my mother was into it. (laughs) And then my uncle used to listen to, my other uncle used to listen to like Trio Los Panchos. They had an older cousin that used to listen to like Megadeth and like all of those rock bands. A little bit of everything. Yeah, so like we had like all these like musical things in our family happening. My sister played the violin, I was in band, my brother was in band. And so as luck would have it, my sister's son, our older nephew, my older nephew, he loves music as well. So he grew up watching me go to music festivals like Coachella and ACL and EDC and he says, like, I want to experience that. So he was having a really hard time kind of like applying himself to high school. And so I made a deal with him. I said, if you graduate from high school, we'll go to Coachella. I'll take you to Coachella. I'll pay your ticket to Coachella and I'll like drive you to Coachella. Like we'll do the festival together. And so that's what we're going to do in April because he did in, when did he graduate? He graduated in 20. We graduated in 2019, so we bought tickets for 2020. Then the pandemic came along. There was no Coachella in 2021. So this is the year that we're going. So we kind of like both have this love and passion for music. So I'm happy that we're going to get to experience that. But I was telling him, like, like this is over. This is probably like my last music festival. And he says, why? And I said, I'm turning 40 in July. Like, I can't be 40 years old and going yes, to music you can. Yes, you I can. can, right? But yeah. then I, you can like catch yourself like saying that and because they expect me to settle down and not like they don't expect like 40 year old men to behave like this doesn't mean that I can't do it, right? No, like, I just think, awesome. Victor, I just think that you and all of us, whatever feels good, whatever brings you joy. Porque una cosa es que estés haciendo pendejadas like getting into trouble that it's unnecessary right now right like that's nobody at any age I don't care if it's like 50 or 15 nobody should be doing that but to just have joy and and fully be present in the things that you're doing and really feel like full with whomever it is that you surround yourself with or the, the places you go like to just be mindful and present I just think it with that alone rejuveneces el alma. Mm-hmm. 
there's, I mean, if that's your passion to enjoy music and, and you genuinely like look forward to these concerts, I don't know why you should deprive yourself. <laughs> yeah, from going. Like, who cares? I think it también en nuestra cultura, that happens a lot, y especialmente con las mujeres. Like, una vez que you get a certain age, you're like, ay, no se ridícula, you can't be doing that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know that I should allow anybody to tell me and dictate what I should or shouldn't enjoy. If I'm not harming you, if I'm not really causing any harm to myself or my loved ones, like, why, why can't I do that? And whatever, yo tengo una amiga, yo la conocí when I was 17, y ella tenía 34 años. And I never thought of her, and I thought of her age, ever. It's funny because even though cause she was very, you know, youthful and like the way she was and how she, we were able to have conversations and stuff, no se portaba inmadura, but she was just very, she had a very youthful heart. Y ahorita ya va a cumplir casi 60 años. And I kid you not, I think because that's how she like navigates life, like with that just enjoying life and whatever happens to her, ni se le nota. And, and even in her personality, not just like physically, that's like besides the... Hablando con ella, you don't realize que estás hablando con alguien que ya casi tiene 60 años. And I think it's because she never like stopped herself from just enjoying feeling youthful. I think people like that have definitely found like kind of like one of the life secrets, right? One of like the, one of the tenets of how you're supposed to lead your life. My best friend is 61 years old and it's like a similar scenario. One of the things that, and he agreed with this, with what I'm about to say, one of the things that we touched early upon was kind of like this narrative of like the immigrant narrative, like another one of the many branches of the, of the immigrant narrative. Part of the reason why I decided to go to Puerto Vallarta, even though my father had passed away, is that there was this ongoing conversation that I had had with my mother starting at the beginning of last year. And I'm really interested to hear to hear this is how sometimes immigrant children feel. These are I'm like be warned. These are very selfish comments that are coming <laughs> up, right? But I do, and it's feel okay. Especially, especially because like we had we touched on this earlier in our conversation. My parents never pointed me in the direction that was against my benefit. It was always for my benefit. They always pointed me in the right direction. So 100, they were they were good parents. They pointed me in the right direction. All of that things, all of those things helped me, and I leave a very lead a very comfortable life, you know, thanks to them and their sacrifices and 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 the influence that they had on me. But I also feel that a lot of the decisions that I have made on my life haven't been made for myself. They have been made specifically to keep other people happy, and because there was definitely a feeling of I am very aware of the sacrifices that you have to make for you to get me onto this platform for me to succeed. Like failure is definitely not an option. I'm going to get whatever it is. I'm going to try to find a way to be successful at it, make a good living out of it and make you proud because this is what you gave up things for, right? Like literally my parents gave up things so that I could have things. This is more than you care to know, but I'm obsessed with underwear. I have like tons and tons of underwear. And so I don't think there's anything like sexual about my underwear. Literally, my mother used to tell me things like, 
cuando ustedes eran niños, yo me quedaba sin calzones para que ustedes tuvieran. And so, like, now I have tons of shoes, tons of underwear, tons of everything. Like, I, I definitely do not live my life without. I'm very, very privileged. Thanks, once again, to the big mm -hmm. sacrifices parents made, right? So it's very selfish to, I'm sure that it sounded very selfish to my mom to hear that, like, yeah, you have done so much for me and you have pointed me in the right direction. I have also done my my part of the deal and I have delivered and I have taken the opportunities that you have given me and las he aprovechado, las he sabido usar para mi beneficio. Y muchas gracias por todo eso, pero creo que sí va a ser un poquito de hoy en adelante y esto fue el año pasado, voy a empezar a vivir la vida un poquito más diferente y hacer cosas que me hagan a mí feliz y que me llenen a mí. Yep, 1,000%. And so this is exactly that, right? Because like I turned to my mom and I'm like, mom, I already spent like $1,000 like planning this trip and like flights and stuff, right? And because I had already been on this journey of, of you can't wait for your friends, like your friends are not, don't have your same life, don't feel anything negative towards them because things come up in their life and they're unable to travel with you. But this means that this is where you learn to travel on alone. Like this is where you start doing that and kind of like fulfilling your own bucket list independently of what everybody else is doing, right? Like this is you, focus on you. So for that reason, and because I had already kind of like scheduled other dates that fell through, I did not buy any of the insurance policies for like the canceled travel plans because like voy y voy a huevo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like not, not gonna let anything stop me, right? And so that was kind of like really the test of are you really gonna start living life for yourself or are you gonna let decisions like this kind of like stop you, right? And so it just kind of like became very clear to me when I thought about like, my dad would never hold me back from experiencing anything that I want to experience. Of course, as long as it's healthy and it's not like towards my detriment. So definitely it, it just became very apparent, like don't cancel, go on this trip. And you know, I know that my brother and my sister may have not agreed with me traveling so fast. Like once again, like other people have these expectations of what, You should have done. Yeah, what I should have done. But they're grown adults. They have made decisions that I do not agree with and I do not criticize or I do not discuss their decisions with them because at the end of the day, they're their own private decisions. You know, they're, they're not for me to comment. They're engineers of their own life. So I kind of like approached it with the same mentality. My sister did let me know that she didn't think it was right. I'm like right away because... That's the person that my sister is, right? <laughs> <laughs> She did tell me and I told her, you know, sister, there's a lot of things that I don't agree with in your life, but I just kind of like keep to myself and I've been on this journey of like. And like, it's okay that to them it didn't feel okay and they did what did feel right to them in that moment. It's beautiful that they did honor the moment however they felt they needed to do it. Pero I do think it's important que tú hayas hecho eso por ti. Porque, and, and I've said this on here before, it's because it's something that like struck me. And I, I think about it often, even in my own parenting. And I hope to God that I never let go of that and, and that I can help my children. 
Porque si es cierto, siendo de familias inmigrantes, you do feel the expectation of like, si no tienes este diploma o si no haces eso, you're, I mean, obviously they don't say it with these words, but you feel like they're going to think you're a horrible person because mm -hmm. hice todo esto y pasé tantas cosas for nothing. That's a huge chip on your shoulder <laughs> to carry. Pero sometime last year, escuché a alguien decir, like, como papás, you do everything, absolutely everything por tus hijos, except let them be who they want to be. <laughs> Interesting. Y cuando escuché eso, I was like, whoa. Because in our desire, como dijiste tú, your parents knowing from, just looking from outside perspective, what was good for you, they kind of pushed you that way, right? Y, y que it turned out fabulous for you. Like, so... Good job, mom and dad. Pero it, there is that expectation of like, es que I know better, which that they're not wrong. Experience mm -hmm. does hold one over kids, right? So mm -hmm. I know better. And because I'm able to see things through a different lens that you may not be able to, because right now you're so eager to live and go out and live life. So you don't really, when you're that age, you don't really pay attention to the dangers or the consequences you just throw yourself in and so I think como papas because we do want the best for them and we don't want them to make the same mistakes as us and we don't want them to like go through the same heartaches or or grievances or whatnot you do at some point forget that you're more of a guide and then you start the metes más <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know it comes from a place of genuine care and love. I, 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 because I, I'm telling you as a parent, those are things que yo, growing up, de alguna manera, in different moments of my life, como que resentí. Because it was like, I'm not that person. Like who I am in my head and my spirit, that's not who I am. And you do, you do feel a little bit saddened that. You see your parents, like, disappointment. Mm -hmm. You start to question, well, is it so horrible that who I am doesn't fulfill other people's dreams? Or is it horrible that who I am brings somewhat of sadness to other people? Desgraciadamente, because of that, yo hice decisiones en mi vida to try and appease that. Mm -hmm. That now, a mis 42 años, I'm like, I should not have, but it is what it is. But now let me take that, live it in my own terms, do my own thing, and hopefully not do that to my kids. Parents have a big influence over their kids, right? Something really funny that kind of like happened to me as I was coming of age is me working in healthcare is a direct reflection of my mother's influence, me wanting to be in medicine. So my mom would always say like, Victor's going to grow up to be a doctor, right? She wouldn't even ask me. She was just kind of like, hey, this was going to grow to be a doctor. And I did kind of like try to go into medicine. I just didn't kind of like find it appealing, especially because in high school, I worked at um, Thomason. It was Thomason back then. It's called now University Medical Center. But I saw some like, I was a receptionist in the ICU. God knows why they would put me as a receptionist in the ICU. I saw a lot of crazy things go down. Like, and I did not want to work in that kind of like doing that, like seeing that every day. But, you know, I have a degree in marketing. I mean, I have a career in marketing. And so 
now I work in healthcare marketing. I'm like, healthcare has been such a focus all of my life, specifically because my mom wanted me to be a doctor, right? So like, I find a way to compensate. I may not be a doctor, but I still got a foot inside healthcare. Like that right. was for you, right? And I'm happy that I found a home in there and I'm happy that I kind of like do my job well enough to keep my job. <laughs> you know, like, I often like where I'm where people who like say like that they're great themselves. I'm like, mm, you might be okay. Mediocre. I'm like, well, I'm mediocre enough to keep my job. So like good, good enough to keep the job, right? Um, so that means something's working. So yeah, those are direct reflections, right? I remember finding out the day that like my mom would always tell me like your favorite color is black. She wouldn't ask me, she would tell me. So I grew up buying like black cars, black clothes. And then one day I'm like organizing my closet back in the day when I was young and I still had time to like time and energy to fucking organize a closet. <laughs> I start looking at my closet. And I'm like, my favorite color is not black. <laughs> my favorite color is blue. I own a ton of blue. Like, it didn't hit me that like my favorite color according to my mom was black. No, it wasn't. It was blue. You have all these like expectations that you have to fulfill. And I did feel like a certain level of uh, like debt to my parents. Um, so I made a lot of, like I haven't left El Paso specifically because of them. And over the years I've learned how to fall in love with El Paso. It wasn't like that at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Now I think it's like a great city. It allows me to live my life very comfortably. It's not that big of a place where I'm going to take like 30 minutes or 40 minutes to get somewhere. Like everything's pretty close by. I found by. So it's, it's like a big little too. city. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and then we have like, what is next door? If you want like a little bit more adventure, you know, <laughs> I know. like, yeah. you know, like if you want to see if you come back from something or not. <laughs> You can adventure. always do that. Yeah. That's like you tell that I'm a marketer. I <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like that you just use the right word. Pero si es cierto, Victor, I think that you should. I don't even know what the solution to that would be porque, again, you go back and you're like, pues si es cierto, tus papás quieren lo mejor. And like, again, it, like it paid off in your case and you're doing great right now, you know. So you can't fully say that what they did didn't work but there's also like now that conflict of like but to what degree was it really a hundred percent me you know and and that's just something that I think once once you face it and once you realize it then it's important to take action on that you know like maybe you didn't before and again thank god because it landed you in a good place but Maybe now what you're doing is good. It's like taking into your own hands and saying, okay, I'm here. And now I found a way to love what I'm doing and really be comfortable with it and not be like fastidiado with it, you know, but I can do more of me. Muchas veces, that's just not going to please everybody. Don't criticar and da, da, da. Pero I think if we look at it, Pensando, that's also maybe their own conditioning and their mm -hmm. projection of that conditioning. And to me, it's easier for us to listen to it, not feel offended by it, and still move forward with what you want to do. I really think, Julie, that this is exactly kind of like what guilt is, right? Guilt is kind of like the feeling that you get when you're kind of like feel that you're breaking a sort of like social norm or social expectation. That's where you feel guilt, right? And that things that, that only box you down. You know, what's right for you is not necessarily right for the right person. We all find our way of dealing, of processing, of grieving. 
so like be supportive like of that right like whatever whatever helps you heal specifically when it comes to like what's next and like one of what are the things that are gonna make me happy I thought about it for a really long time like what I we what would have I done with my life if I wasn't where I am now and so I think I landed on something and I'm gonna pursue this as a hobby I have a busy life and I don't know when I'm gonna find the time to do this right but if you want to do something like you need to find the time for it right yeah. just like I find the time to work out you find the time for this hobby I want to learn how to DJ. <laughs> you know what? You should do it. Y te voy a hacer, te voy a embarcar a mi youngest daughter. I mean, my oldest daughter, porque that's something she really wants to do. Pero she's very like, oh, I don't know if I could. Y, y por lo mismo, because I know what it's like to, to say mm -hmm. to your parents, I want to do something that feels like off the wall to them. And then be like, you're never going to amount to anything when you do that. Yeah. Because I know what that's like. When she told me, I was all, Yes, you should. <laughs> you should you do that. <laughs> do it. Y le compramos like a little program and stuff. Like I started working out in the mornings. It's really hard for me to get up in the mornings and go to work out because it's been so cold. So I'll wake up and I'll start doing like cardio. I'll get on the bike. And so I'll start watching videos on like how to spin. I started watching videos as a matter of fact today. Like I said, like I have to get it done. Like I have to get this in motion. Go for it. You never know how long you're going to be around for. And so you need to yeah. go to Sabes que? Porque like something that not a lot of people know about me and I don't know why. I love to draw and I love to paint and it's something that comes to me easily. I just don't do it very often because, again, it was always like, it is mama and now you have to do this and your passions don't count because you're crazy. You're not a teenager anymore, blah, 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 blah. But here recently... Por la muerte de una amiga hace poco, I was like, porque casi de mi misma edad. Yeah, Yvonne. And I, she blessed me with this. She, I don't want to cry. When she left, I had such a weird, I think the way, the best way I can describe it to you is her and I were close at a time where life had not jaded us and so I knew her then right I mean we still kept in touch obviously and talked and stuff but it was a time where we were so free even though we had a lot of like situations that were not like great or whatever individually I think like cuando eres chavalito and you're like so naive you still find time to enjoy life and so cuando murió me golpeó horrible because I was like yo la recuerdo así and our dynamic then I was very sad Lloré en mi carro, like, cuando me fui al hospital, porque, like, I missed her. And I'm thinking, like, what could have happened in her future? How wonderful, because she was just so lively and funny and, you know? Cuando ya reflexioné en todo y que, like, I kind of let it all out there by myself, like a crazy person in a parking lot, mm -hmm. I was like, si algo me regaló ella en ese momento without even realizing it, because we had a very... Different conversation, different than what her and I were used to days antes de que muriera. It was very different, but it was very meaningful and very beautiful. Y me dijo que me quería. And she had never said that to me. Y cuando se fue, I thought, you know what? El regalo que ella me está dejando es that there's, you 
tomorrow is not guaranteed for real. I know we say it all the time, but it hadn't clicked hasta que ella murió the, the way that I took it. And I said, I'm not going to allow people to stop it anymore. I'm not going to allow my own insecurities to stop me anymore. I'm not going to allow the self-doubt de quien sea. Y eso significa familiares o amigos. It doesn't matter. Porque think that as a friend, I want to, I owe it to her to do that. It was very sad, but it was very beautiful because even in, in the tragedy of it all, she gifted me that. And since then, I'm more intentional. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get it 100%, but I, I do try. I do try. And she left me with that. And I hope that maybe your father's passing in that sense, that maybe he, he without even realizing it, gifted you that. And, you know, my mom said, you know, you might want to think about, like, rescheduling your trip, right? And I told my mom, she said, like, there's going to be plenty of other opportunities. And I just said, like, that just died. Like, no tenemos el mañana garantizado que a mí nadie me garantiza que yo vaya a vivir los 86 años de vida que vivió mi papá. Yo no sé cuándo se me acabe la vida. Tenemos que vivir la vida al momento y por nosotros mismos. Y definitivamente me, la, la muerte de mi papá me recalcó eso. Si quieres hacer algo, lo tienes que hacer ahorita. No te quedes con las ganas porque nadie te garantiza el día de mañana. Y desafortunadamente son momentos muy tristes y este, en veces no son, they're not comfortable moments, but if you're not, you know, you need to use it as a learning situation, as a learning opportunity and grow from it, you know, and, and absolutely, yeah, like, unfortunately, you hear that all the time, like, no te esperes hasta mañana, no te esperes hasta mañana. But it, one, with an everyday hoopla, it's easy to do it, right? To like wait until tomorrow. But also get it done because you don't know what's going to happen. You never know. You never know. Y sabes también que me pasó. Yo siempre a la gente que quiero y que aprecio, se los dejo saber all the time. Pero desde que también, like el passing de, de Yvonne, la manera en que siento el amor por, las, por mi gente, and this is like friends as well, es aún más grande, como que se dobló o, o, o se, se multiplicó like a thousandfold to the point que a veces like randomly pienso en alguien and I think, no nomás me acuerdo de ellos, but I genuinely think I'm so grateful for your existence and I'm so grateful that that existence is, you know, right now in my lifetime. I don't know what it was about that whole situation that really spoke to me like that. And I think it was like maybe a little bit of everything, a little bit of the fact that she was like, I love you. And I never told you that because we don't normalize telling our friends that we love them. Yeah, 100%. Even with our family members, right? So when I got Logan, my mom, she started saying things like, Tú no me hablas a mí como le hablas al perro. Al perro le hablas con muchos cariños y a mí no. And so it's not like I grew up in a family where there wasn't love. We just kind of didn't express it. I knew that I was loved. I knew yeah. that I wasn't a hated child or an unwanted child, you know. Not even hated, but unwanted, you know. Yeah. My siblings did hate me, but not my parents. <laughs> but that's uh, like something they have to do for a while. <laughs> That, that that was their their growing moment while they learned how to appreciate the two treasure that I am. Exactly. <laughs> the gift. The gift that they received. <laughs> so like it was very foreign. It was foreign to me when I caught myself doing it like haciéndole tanto cariñito al perro. And then to hear my mom kind of like say it. Um she said it once and I'm like, 
I'm processing this because I don't know how to feel about it, right? It was kind of like, I it had been brought to my attention and I did not know how to address it, right? I mean, like, I need to process this. I need to figure out why before I offend anybody, which I often do. It's like, <laughs> so I kind of like let it go because she didn't bring it up again. But then a couple of weeks later, it happened again. And then right after she caught herself like saying it again, she said, Pero esa es nuestra culpa porque nosotros nunca les enseñamos a expresarse. It was kind of like this weight lifted from my shoulders that she acknowledged that because I was, I hadn't even identified that that's what had happened. I was still trying to find within me why I wasn't this expressive with my family. Yeah. Why didn't it come so easy? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, el perro no se va a burlar de mí si le empiezo a decir mi amor. Él se deja querer. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's all like, and he like even crazy and he comes looking for it, right? At the beginning of this conversation, I was like leaning over because I was like petting him. <laughs> like he demands to be pet. Yeah, right? So she finally came to this realization and she brought me to this realization that like, yeah, we don't grow up normalizing this within our families. And later on in life, it kind of like happened. And for our family, it happened when like Logan started coming around and I got a pet dog, you know, and all of a sudden like it was normal for me to talk to the dog and be expressive about how much I care for him. And so it became a normal thing to tell each other in our family that I love you and that I care about you and that I hope you're doing well, right? Because those, we, we weren't like that. We were embraced like that and we, we didn't verbalize you. How weird, huh, that those things come to your life and like you with your dog and then like, well, like mi mom siempre fue muy expresiva, like so she, so, mm -hmm. so we did grow up with that, pero normally people around us, it wasn't normal. So we were, especially yo, ay, porque como soy llorona, Victor, como soy llorona. <laughs> I can't. Sí, yo lloro hasta, hasta porque me miran feo. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. So it was really tough because then at some point it was like, ay, Nayeli va a llorar otra vez. But I was like, I can't help it. I can't help it. You know, it's I'm not trying to. I'm trying not to do it. And the more I hold it in, the more it comes out. But yeah, like now it's like, no, 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 you know, like, and I've been embracing this for a few years now already, yeah, like, I think every year it gets better and better and better, pero esta vez con, pues, hace, hace poquito que falleció Ivonne, este, eso fue lo que de plano sí, it was like, you really don't have tomorrow promise, say what you need to say, do what feels right. Y mira Nayeli, que padre que estas son las lecciones que nos llevamos de las muertes de nuestros seres queridos, que son como una wake up call por decir que acuérdate que nadie tiene la vida garantizada y se me hace bonito que reflejamos en eso porque eso quiere decir que nosotros no tenemos ninguna clase de remordimiento uh -huh. con nuestra relación con estas personas como gracias a Dios mi papá estuvo muy bien cuidado muy agradecido yo con mi hermana y con mi hermano porque ellos también participaron en su cuidado y en este, asegurarse que mi papá estaba bien así que no hay ninguna clase de arrepentimiento Exacto, como tú cerraste el ciclo con Iván y hablaron y tuvieron su conversación y, y cerraste ese ciclo y qué bueno que te recuerde y que te haga regalado que es una wake up call de vivir la vida lo máximo porque siempre lo decimos, pero como que no nos cae el 20, son cosas que nos decimos una y otra vez y no nos cae el 20 hasta que algo muy significativo como la pérdida de un ser querido nos marca, ya no están aquí, estaban aquí hace unos momentos ya no están, la vida cambia en un momento y lo que te lleve a ti a la felicidad, ¿verdad? No le va a parecer a veces a nadie, pero si tú estás tranquilo contigo mismo, con tu espíritu, como dices, tú sabes que no debes nada, no has hecho mal, you know why these things need to happen. 
That's it. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I got to share this with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And with, with some great ones and some some that causes trouble. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty <laughs> of it, right? Like, I think there's no greater legacy than kind of like the traits that your parents inherit you, right? And hopefully there's more positive than negative because nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Just like that was part of like the person that he was and the person that made him and so you know parte parte de eso de que dice que era cabrón es parte porque me gusta vivir la vida alegre me gusta no me gusta enfocarme en lo negativo me gusta compartir con personas esto de hecho algo que se me hizo bien raro Nayeli es uh-huh. que mi papá era súper detallista y ya me había dedicado que mi papá pagó todos sus servicios, mi papá me daba dinero a guardar, y primero empezó me decía, este, es que quiero guardar para un carro, toma este dinero y guárdalo porque quiero empezarte a dar dinero para, para empezar a co- para comprar un carro, y yo me pensé como my dad's already in his fucking 70s what the fuck is he gonna do car for like stop driving now sir, like you're a danger, right so then I kind of like later cut on that like, he was giving me this money for like his funeral services. So then I had to have the conversation with him. I'm like, is this what I think it is? And he said, yeah, you know, there's going to come a time where I'm not going to be around. So you go do that. And he left me a certain kind of money, a certain amount of money, which kind of like ran dry, like literally with like all of like the preparations for his funeral. I can honestly say that I don't think I had any expenses for my dad's funeral. And if they were, they were like super minor because my mom lives in an apartment Monte Car- and like we all live like really far away from like Monte Carmelo, right? So it wasn't kind of like have a funeral and drive a short distance to go have a meal or kind of like have this moment with your family after this funeral service. So we invited everyone to like a restaurant. She was on the freeway and it was like all you can eat buffet. That's why we invited them. Pues no me lo vas a creer, Nayeli. Yo pagué la cuenta ese día. Fueron como 29 personas las que nos acompañaron. Pagué la cuenta. And so like Yo me quedé con que, pues eso es, eso es lo que voy a pagar yo. Ya me tocaba, este, el señor ya había dejado todo pagado. Y no me lo vas a creer, estamos tramitando el, pro, el proceso de cerrar su cuenta bancaria. Este dinero me lo dejo a mí, porque yo soy el executor. Es el dinero para pagar lo que es la comida. Lo no, que like, gastaste. Nada, nada, nada. Y qué bonito regalo poder hacer eso para tu familia, porque afortunadamente ves a las personas pidiendo dinero esta situación, gracias a Dios que nosotros no tuvimos esta necesidad como lo había mencionado antes hay, hay muchas cosas por las que estar agradecido I know. las lecciones, los sacrificios absolutamente todo los consejos, lo cabrón, todo ay amigo, thank you so much for sharing with me again no lo tomo en balde. I want you to know I really, truly do appreciate your time. I, I like doing this. I like talking to you. I think it's like super therapeutic, which means that you're not going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm going to do this and not go to therapy now. There, everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can do this forever. Obviously, I, I have no problem speaking, but I'm really glad that we had this conversation and that it was like meaningful and that we are both sharing our experiences of loss and how we plan to turn these things into a positive, right? We're already like in a step in, in the right direction. And I feel definitely that's how grief should be handled. I heard um, Meryl Streep didn't say this, but she quoted someone who said this at the Oscars. Oh, it was Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher said, turn your broken heart and turn it into art. Like that mentality, right? Take your mm-hmm. broken heart, 
flip positive, turn it into a, a, a learning experience. Because now all of these things that my dad did for me that made it a lot less stressful to deal with his departure are the things that I want to do with for my family. Yo quiero que ellos estén bien, yo quiero que ellos no tengan ningún problema con dinero, desacuerdos. Este, también es importante hablar con tu familia de lo que quieres cuando llegues a faltar para que todos sepan. Yo quiero ser un árbol. Ya les dije, sí. me creman y háganme un arbolito. Desparraban mis cenizas ahí en el callejón Ochoa donde estaba el OP. Ándale. Por ahí le taloneé mucho. Por ahí hubo muchas aventuras, así que. Ahí me van a recibir. Por ahí, por ahí. Por ahí, por ahí. No voy a dar detalles, pero ahí nomás déjenme. Por ahí nomás tírenme. I know. Cuando quieras, literalmente cuando quieras. Aquí tienes tú, aquí tienes en este little square tu casa. <risa> y a lo mejor nos podemos ver pronto en persona y lo podemos hacer en persona. Ah, claro que sí. Let me know and I'll bring over some good coffee. P please do. I will accept that because cafe, I'm like obsessed with it. And when I say coffee, I mean Starbucks. I don't know like a magic shop that has like exotic <laughs> flavors or anything like that. And I don't brew my own coffee. I make it out of the Keurig. So like no, I'm no. Tu, tu cafecito, lo que sea, yo te, yo te lo acepto. It's okay. Yes. Pero sí, estamos ahí en contacto. Thank you so much. So much for your time. Otra vez, nos aventamos dos horas, Víctor. Dos horas. Ah, muy bien. Perfecto. Sí, muy bueno. Todavía todavía para ir a hacer algo de, de vagancia. Acabo de comer ahorita antes de que viniéramos, de que viniera aquí este... Ay, pero ya son dos horas. Si estás sí. haciendo ejercicio every two hours, you have to. Peter Piper. Anything. También yo ahorita me voy a ir a aventar unas enchiladitas. Comí enchiladas antes y me voy a aventar los leftovers ahorita. Enchiladas, pero se llaman enchiladas de... ¿Cómo se le llaman enchiladas de, de piso? So they're open face. Y tienen chorizo. Like, pues, tofu, cho, este, chorizo, soy chorizo, y luego lechuga, like, all the toppings, and, así, pero abierto. Qué rico. I, I love know. tofu. I fried tofu. So good. Sí. Es lo que me voy a a bufetear ahorita. Y también tú. Yes, my friend, thank you so much. Nos vemos. Que tengan bonita noche. Igualmente. Bye, bye. Bye. Bye.